0: Hey there, welcome to the Beauty and Style Business Podcast. This podcast is for female entrepreneurs in the beauty and style industry. I'm mindset and business coach, Kylie Claiborne, and I'm here to teach you how to market and sell with authenticity and show up with audacity so you can have a beauty and style business that's not only pretty, but profitable too. Pour yourself a cup of ambition and let's do this. Hey bosses. I am super excited that you guys are here today and I'm actually probably a little extra excited because I have my friend and my client Emma Wilman here with me today. And she is a style coach and a badass. And so I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today and I'm excited to introduce her and have her talk and share her stories. And I'm just excited for you guys to hear from her in her own words, how she works with people, how she has been changed by coaching, by the industry, and how she is actually disrupting the industry in her own way and moving it forward. So Emma, come on and say hello. Tell everyone who you are where you are, because that's going to be really interesting. You guys are definitely going to hear an amazing accent coming through. And just tell us a little bit about you. Introduce yourself.
1: All right. Thanks, Kylie. Yeah. So I'm from Brisbane, Australia. My business is around seven years old and it has been on such a journey, just like the inside of me. I've been on a massive transformation journey and my business has just followed. And every time I do more work on myself, my business just stretches and grows and grows, and really, I started out seven years ago as an image consultant, which I like to describe as a nerdy personal stylist. We're the personal <laughs> stylists who know all the rules and the science and the stats and the journal articles and the psychology behind why style works. Uh, And I started out with just a very stock standard business. I did style and colors and wardrobes and shopping. And I spent probably the first four years of my business just trying to feel enough and trying to be competent. And so I was really hustling for my self-worth. I looked at people in the industry who were very respected and and had these established businesses. And I thought, what do I have to do to be a real image consultant? And so I followed. I just followed all of the examples of what it's like to have a proper image consulting business. (laughs) But that can only really take all right. yeah. uh, you know, uh, about year five, I started to, to feel really frustrated with what I was doing in business. I felt like I wasn't creating and I wasn't bringing my whole self to my business. And I had some really amazing downloads some ideas and some things that I thought about the industry that didn't line up. And I started to feel very uncomfortable delivering the service that I was delivering when my own internal experience, you know, there was a gap there. And, you know, my byline is powerful, authentic image. (laughs) So if I wasn't being authentic and if I felt like I was performing or that I was providing a service that didn't really meet the needs that I could see around me, Um, then, then I had to change my business had to change. And so I went about doing that. Yeah.
0: What do you feel like you were leaving out in those years? Like when you kind of think back, I always find this so fascinating, but what, when people say things like that, like, oh, I felt like I was maybe modeling my business after what I felt like was successful, or I felt like I was trying to model my business after a proper style of business that I felt like was going to get me where I wanted to go. Does that resonate? But tell me tell me what you feel like you were leaving out of your business. What parts of you did you feel like you were leaving out?
1: Yeah, I irony for me was, uh, as a stylist, I'm teaching clients how to show up and not be followers of fashion, but how to use fashion to express their substance and their purpose in the world. So while I'm teaching clients to do this, I'm creating a business for myself which is not showing who I am fully, which is actually saying, oh, who am I meant to be? Um, I'll, I'll create a business like that. So even my headshots, you know, you choose a photographer and you create imagery around that for your website and your socials. And I'm, I'm going, okay, what am I meant to look like and how is this meant to look? And then I'll fit into that, which is the exact same problem with fashion, right? People see things on catwalks and in magazines and on social media and they think that's how I'm meant to look and that's where the disconnect is. It's the fact that there's this huge-ass gap between what you're experiencing on the inside and and how you're showing up in the world and I had that problem in my own business I just didn't know how to get out of it because I had created it
0: right and it's so amazing how we think our businesses and our lives are separate but they're always connected and you and I have talked about this so much just in our just in our sessions together um and I can see that right like I can see that even in the paradigm that you're talking about it's like yeah there was this disconnect between fashion and my business, and what I felt like was proper, and what other people experience as proper fashion, and what they think is how they should look in the world, too, but that was also happening within your business. What was kind of your breaking point? Where did you start to be like, ah, I need to do something different?
1: <laughs> well, this is a little sidestep, but I started a second business, and uh, I did it with my husband, which is always a great <laughs> idea, oh right? Gosh. You know, going to business. You're so brave. <laughs> It was an awesome business idea, right? And we we funded it and we set it all up and we worked with the best consultants. And at the end of the day, I realized that one, it was really too much for our personal relationship and two, that I actually didn't love that part of styling. So for me, what I really loved, I was in my genius zone, was when I was standing on a platform or in front of a Zoom audience, and I'm just preaching, and I'm like, "You're worth more than this, you know, and you are more than just your appearance." And that, but I was really um, shaping my business around the other end of it, which is, you know, this is exactly the rules that you should follow for your body type, and blah blah blah. So um, for me, the breaking point, you know. was a parallel with a breaking point in my marriage, a breaking point financially, like we were just stretched to the limit in every area. And one day I just woke up and I said, what if me pulling out of this is not quitting and failing? What if me deciding to walk away from this is actually a breakthrough in itself? And it absolutely set me free. I project to the side. I realized that I Yeah, I couldn't sustain that side project while my, my main business wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. I couldn't sustain an extra project while, you know, it was a strain on my family and my relationship. And I was like, well, what would a healthy business look like? And what do I want to show up for each day? And then I went about getting back to that And it involves me challenging so many of my ideas, like my my preconceived ideas. And I remember feeling so nervous, like, what are people going to think? And it wasn't my clients that I worried about what are they going to think industry. It was my peers and the people who'd gone before me. And what if, you know, the things that I was putting out there into the, the atmosphere were not what they agreed with. And and after I started doing it, I realized that not only did I not care if they didn't approve, there were people who were in the industry who are now coming to me saying, can you help me?
0: Right absolutely because you're a disruptor in the best way possible right you're disrupting the industry by empowering women with style in a completely different way i love the way that you're approaching it with your clients and the way that you're allowing so much more of their unfolding in the process of your business and in the way that you work with with women because there's so much more to dressing for and feeling good in your own skin than knowing your body type, right? So tell us a little bit about like, how has the process of how you work with women changed from where it was to where it is now?
1: Okay, so when I was trained, what I learned was we can help style women. It's not just their body shape and their facial features and their colors. We can actually style them based on their personality, their insights, which is great. It's like a huge step better than going to a shopping mall and getting a fashion stylist who's just going to say, this is what's in the shops. So you can buy this. So like immediately I already liked the industry or the part of the industry I was in because it was a little bit deeper. But what I started to find was that personality, when you look at personality as fixed, right, actually styling someone's ego, you're styling their ego, you're styling their past pain, you're styling the narrative, you're styling this fixed thinking of the way they see themselves. And you are never going to grow someone, you're never going to get a transformation for someone if you don't unpack the ego. So I started using the Enneagram as a tool. And I use that because it's just a set of language. And it's a tool that you can really go back and revisit your childhood and why you show up how you show up, why the narrative of who you are, your identity is the way it is. And to really recognize that it's not fixed. Okay. Our identities are growing and fluid and changing. And I wanted to tell people from that perspective to yes this is how you're showing up now but there's so much more in you you have a whole lifetime of growth and and ability to unpack if I just sell you based on your ego you always get what you've always got but if you're willing to let me go a little bit deeper and to poke around gently and say why do you think that is? Or is that true? Then you're going to get this incredible style, which actually pulls you into a better future version of yourself, a more whole, a more satisfied, a braver, more successful version of yourself. And that is actually empowering to women.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're really, you know, I say this to all my clients, but really all of us that are in the beauty and style industry, it's really not about the perfect shoe or skincare or or the perfect shade of lipstick, we're all really in the business of transformations, right? We're all transformation artists in the way that we are helping people transform the way they feel about themselves on the outside. And some of that process, so much of that process rather takes place on the inside as well. And that's the part that you facilitate so well. And, and that starts on the inside and just kind of starts to bloom and blossom to that the outside. I love that so much. I love everything that you just said. But yeah, we're all just really transformation artists. I feel like in so many ways. So, I know your business pretty well because you and I have been coaching for a while now. Tell me, what is some of the biggest takeaways you've had from just coaching in general? Like some of the things that just off the top of your head have been powerful and impactful for you or maybe even some like aha's that you've had?
1: So so many. (laughs) There have been so many big ones. But the first big one that I can think about was knowing in myself that I was stuck in this performance mode and worrying about what a real business looked like, I had this hang up around, it had to look a certain way from the outside. I had to have a team. I had to have this and that and the other, my business had to look a certain way to be a real quote unquote real business. So that was affecting everything that I was doing because if I would have ideas you know, I would block them because I'm like, "Mm, well, is this what a real business would do? I have this hang up around having my own um, studio and office at home rather than being, you know, on site in a high rise somewhere because my background was law and I thought that was a real business. And so a lot of the time I ignored my own genius Because I was waiting for someone else to tell me that it was okay to do that. And I remember around the time of COVID when I downed tools for three months and really had a good time to reflect on my business. I was like, what am I chasing? What am I actually chasing? What would actually make me happy in my business? And I was like, I'm chasing um, somebody to tell me that I've made it, that, that I'm successful, that I'm enough. And I realized that nobody could ever do that for me in any tangible way. It was only me who could tell me that I was successful and that I was enough. And and I was the one who had to trust my own ideas and decisions. And my opinion of myself mattered more um, than other people's. Yeah. So that was one huge rock, which I continue to... You know, you deal with it one day, and then you see it creeping in another way on another day. But yeah, it's this like this high level of protection um, around this old, old idea, like that familiar idea to me was so familiar and so normal and so I, I protected it mentally and emotionally and I still do and but I catch myself now like the coaching that I've received from you helps me identify that type of thinking and identify when I'm being loyal to it and instead of to myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's such an easy I'm with you. That was something that I think coaching pulled me out of as well. And I still land in it from time to time where I look for that validation outside myself. And I realize I always have to remind myself and come back to like, no, 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 that's an inside job, right? We don't outsource our emotions. We don't outsource our feelings to anyone outside of us. That's an in-house job. And I think that's probably like one of the biggest things about coaching, probably the biggest, I think, upfront transformation that most people have is just learning how to own and take responsibility for the results they've created thus far for how they're showing up in the world and like dropping all the blame and needing that kind of external validation and looking for it inside and realizing that that's something that's got to be self-generated. I hear that. (laughs) I'm totally with you on that. That was something that I struggled with and still do from time to time. I feel like it's something culturally that we get, don't you, when we like start as young, just young people in the world, we, our brains are kind of designed to really plug into other people. And as women, we're always prioritizing what other people think, how other people feel. And so bringing that back to us and prioritizing what we think and feel feels a little bit terrifying.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the history books support this, you know, it's only been around 50 odd years that women have even been running businesses, have had the ability to have their own bank accounts and, you know, without it being linked to you know, a partner or a parent who's going to, you know, double check what you're doing. So I think for women more than men, we're socialized to believe that we need someone else to validate us. But I think it's part of the human experience is is looking for external signposts when really it's internal ones that we need. And this sort of, this first big rock actually is connected to my second big rock. And that was my mindset around money. So imagine that if I had this idea around what a real business looked like and I was hustling to try and show up as a real business, then my ideas around what it meant to earn money um, were really around hustling as well. And how it showed up for me was a gap between what it looked like my business was doing and what my business was actually um, bringing in um, around what I felt that I deserved or could ask for or could receive. And also it, it showed up as a real discomfort and almost like, A disdain for other people who were open about what they were earning. So I remember a friend of mine who's very successful in a different industry, she actually stated what she'd earned in the last month. And I was so triggered by that. I was like, oh, that's so obnoxious of you to tell everyone how much you earned. And and I remember in my head I was going through, well, like you don't even have a degree and you're not even that qualified and how dare you be so successful. And I started listening to myself talk and I'm like, why am I so mad at her success? I love her, you know, but it was triggering my own inadequacies and insecurities and, and my self-talk, which made me realize that I really needed to like open that up and allow that airspace and then, and then edit it. So that's another big rock that we've been working on. And, And this one's a biggie, like our money mindset I mean, I went back and I wrote letters to money and I, um, I went back and revisited like who were the key people in my life who had shaped my, uh, my ideas about money. And then I had a look as an adult, like as a 40 year old woman. And I'm like, were they qualified? Did they have, you know, the pr- track record of like being really successful with money and really bringing an and I'm like, actually no, that, and, and really gracefully, I was like, okay. I have actually put you on a pedestal when, when you weren't really an expert in that area. And who do I want to be shaped by around money ideas? And I started looking for different examples and different evidence. And I remember I was in the shower listening to a podcast one day, cause we got to, you know, get things done on the double. Uh, and I remember hearing this, this sales guy, <laughs> this sales guy was saying to me, if, if somebody comes and knocks at your door and they're selling something door to door and you're um, rude to them and you have disrespect for them, you are not going to earn much money. Basically you're putting a cap on your own earning capacity. And I was like, what? I hate salesy people. What is that going to do for me? And he was saying that if we don't respect that somebody's going after what they want and they're actually putting something out there and making themselves vulnerable and trying, like maybe they're not doing it in the absolute perfect way. But if we can't, champion and applaud and respect their courage, then we're never going to have the courage ourselves. We're going to be the critic on the sideline. You know, I'm glad I'm not like that all the while, while not earning what we actually want to earn.
0: Right. I'm so glad that you brought this up. I'm so glad you brought this up. This is such a huge a huge thing, right? Like our money mindset, our money stories, the like conscious and unconscious narratives that we have around money, because so many of us grow up with just like unconscious thoughts about how money's created, how we create it, all the things. And self-awareness is really taking all of that out, right? Taking all your programming out, looking at all of it, and then deciding like what you want to keep and know what, What's no longer serving you, and I remember that you and I did that pretty early and and looked at everything right looked at all of it like what' stuff that I want to keep what's what are what thoughts are no longer serving me here anymore? What do I want to let go of and release it's so empowering to do that it feels so expansive and amazing to feel so in charge of the money that you're creating the money that is also flowing to you instead of feeling like you're a victim or I don't know. I always had like a heavy victim sense around money. And so it was something that I also had to kind of release and and bless and let go of and start to like figure out some new thoughts and new ways of showing up with money. And I love that you talk about triggers too, because triggers are just those mirrors, right? You and I have talked about that too. Like the mirror that just gets held up in front of your face. Whenever something feels triggering for you, it's it's there for you to look at, right? It's there for you to investigate and take a deep dive into and, and look at. It's really not about the other person, even though it really feels like it in the
1: moment. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing is that when we have a gap between what we're saying about a topic and what we're believing about a topic, um, then that shows up in our relationships. And, you know, when you go to ask for payment or you go to state what your prices are, you know, it shows up in that awkward pause, in that energy that feels like you want to shrink down. I used to think that people who wanted money were selfish and pathetic and needy, right? All these negative things around that. And because I thought that, I thought that about myself when I went to ask for payment. And so that showed up and it was this, energy and I, I could feel it, but I didn't know what it was until you and I really unpacked that. And, and it was really around, um, you know, being undeserving or being unworthy or, or like if you need money, it's a compensation for something else. Whereas, you know, I've really renegotiated my relationship with money and I'm like, thanks money. Like, thanks honey. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, recognizing that I used to think that money came with strings attached, that it was going to make me sell out on my values and my character. But now when I have a good relationship, with money, when I, when I respect money and I think about money in, in positive light, I'm like, no, there's no strings attached. we, you know, every time I show up and talk to money, I'm managing my mind and I'm saying, you know, here's what I would like us to do. You know, here's what I hope will happen. And thank you and all the rest of it. It sounds really silly, but I literally have had to imagine it like this to actually reestablish a good relationship with
0: money. You no, know, it does not sound silly to me at all. I actually love to think about my relationship with money like a person. Right. Like literally, like as if it were, would it want to be in a relationship with me? Right. Like, would it be like, yeah, you're amazing to be in a relationship? Or would it be like, peace out, girl. You're, you abused me. Right. You leave me high and dry. I'm out of here. And so, no, it sounds absolutely amazing because I think that that is a relationship. It's an energetic relationship that's important. Yeah. I love that. Love, love, love. What else? What else is on your mind?
1: Uh, well, I just made a really big decision in my business, which involved a lot of money. And uh, I guess one of the things I wanted to share was it never goes away, right? It still will show up. Like I had, I was a hundred percent all in when I first thought about this big decision. I was like, this is so in line with where I'm going. This is the vehicle that I need to go the next um, leg of the way. But then in between like deciding that internally and actually um, communicating the decision to the person I needed to pay, I went through all the spectrum of feelings, right? From, uh, I, you know, maybe this is just a waste of money to, um, I don't think I have it in me and who am I to think that I can do this and to crying in front of my kids, just feeling utterly anxious and inadequate and fearful of the future. Like, a roller coaster. But to me, this is where coaching has been so invaluable. And I, I just cannot overstate the value of coaching because every good thing I have inside me, all of the skills, all of the experience, all of the power to change other people's lives, all is, is there's the doorway and that's mindset. You know, my self-belief is at the doorway of Everything that I can deliver for everyone else and and being in a regular habit of managing my mind, of being self-aware, of recognizing the thoughts that I'm thinking allows me to say, all right, I can see what's going on here. I'm freaking out. I have an old narrative, you know, that I'm trying to break away from. And this feels strange. And yes, I, I'm fearful. And then I can actually manage that and I can say, it's okay for me to be fearful, but is that the best use of my energy? Is is this going to give me the results um, that I want? Is this in line with the person that I am becoming or that I was? And, and I'm always going to bank on the person I'm becoming. It's the same amount of energy to bank on the person I was stuck back there in loserville, <laughs> in self, you know, non self beliefville, It's the same amount of energy that you invest into believing in that old version of yourself as it is into this future version of yourself that you're growing into. So why not back the person that you're becoming?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny too. I love First of all, obviously, we're both super passionate about coaching <laughs> because we b- we believe that it changes lives. We see it change people's lives. We know it changes people's lives. And I always think about, I've coached so many women on this, particularly investing in themselves, whether it's investing in yourself in business, in style, no matter what it is, those decisions typically don't feel comfortable. So that's just something I want to throw out there. Those decisions shouldn't be comfortable, right? I think that it's an illusion. I think we we want them to be comfortable, but they just never are because we're putting skin in the game, right? When you're just like consuming freebies, you're, you know, even listening podcasts, of course, not this one, but all the other... (laughs) Free all the other free resources out there. You're you don't have any skin any in the game, right? There's no risk. There's there's nothing happening there. But when you say, "Hey, no, I'm gonna bet on me, and I'm gonna put skin in this game in the form of money," it's a totally different situation. And. I just love, I love thinking about investing in myself as always getting a return. I love thinking about like, I always get what I came for no matter what, right? And getting really clear. And you and I talked thoroughly about that too. And I I just love that. I love what you said. It's so true. The process of investing in yourself isn't comfortable. And <laughs> you went through the you went through all of the emotions of what comes along with that. And you probably will again too, right? Like who's to say they're 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 done and over with? You may go through <laughs> that that cycle again. But just knowing that like That's just part of it, right? Like that's what happens when you have skin in the game, when you're just consuming freebies and, and, you know, taking all the free stuff, there's no risk for you there. And so when you're putting your money where your mouth is, right, it's just different. It changes the commitment level that you have as as a person. And truly, like I know this is going to sound crazy to so many of you, but the money part doesn't matter. It's who you become in the process. It's who you have to become in the process. And so the, the dollar amount doesn't even – it doesn't matter anymore, which I know sounds wild, but it's true.
1: <laughs> you know, I was um, listening to um, Brooke Castilla, which I know we both um, – love. And she gave an analogy about, um, it's not about whether you're going to succeed or fail. You are going to fail, but that's not the point. You're going to fail and you're going to increase your capacity. And she gave the analogy of, you know, being at the gym under a heavy weight. And the idea is not to always be able to lift that bench press. The idea is to be able to push yourself to a point where you can't, push it anymore. But in the process of failing and getting to fatigue, you expand your capacity. So I I, when I was making that decision, I was thinking about this and I'm like, there's there's no way I can fail. I can only fail if I don't learn from what I'm going through and if I stop managing my own mind. As long as I know and believe and show up for the process of deepening my capacity and growing as a person, I cannot lose in this equation. Yeah, I know. And we always think of those
0: decisions as what we're giving up. We always, I I see women go into directly like what they're giving up, time, money, whatever. We forget everything that we're gaining. We just, I don't know, it's just something our brains do, but we don't focus on what we're gaining. We just focus on everything that we're giving up in that moment. Right? Tell me or tell everybody where you were, like what you were making when we started and then talk about what you're making now. Can you give us just a little like insight into your growth and your journey, like numbers wise and the growth of your business?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And this was something that I never would have been comfortable talking about. And I really was very quiet about because I, I just was, it was an issue. Uh, so as I said, I've been in my business for, I'm going on my 8th year now and I I have four kids. So I've had um two of them while I've been in business. So my business has gone from a hobby to part-time. Oh, we forgot
0: to we forgot to talk about them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the four kids those little accessories yeah Yeah. Yeah. so I have my business has been through all these different iterations of my capacity and my time that I could actually be in my business uh but for example last year I put in my tax return and I think my uh takeaway was something like $17,000 and I was like for the whole entire flipping year after expenses and things like that I'm like that is not (laughs) that's not a that's a hobby, that's not an actual business. And I started to get really, I mean, COVID happened, I didn't work for three months, I was building programs, you know, whatever the excuses are, it was like such a small amount. And then I started working with you later in the year, and and then this year, and typically in, in my industry. January and February are dead months. The reason being that everybody has overspent at Christmas. Nobody um, has money. Their credit cards are maxed out. They're not going to go shopping. They're not thinking of consuming more clothes. All right. And they associate me with clothes because I'm so typically I, I bunker down January and February and I'm just like, Hey, I'm still here guys. Um, <laughs> like if you would like to work with me at some stage, <laughs> sorted, that'd be great. And We went away over Christmas and New Year's. We went and spent time with family, and I had my four kids home from school holidays. And in the first month of the year, I made more money than I made the entire previous year.
0: Yay! That's a mic drop. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I will never forget getting that Vox from you and just being like full body chills, big tears in my eyes, just like. She's doing it right, and it's it is just the best, right? Like all of the value you've been putting out, everything you've been doing, it just your popcorn was popping, and it was it's just so amazing. Yeah, you killed it, and you're still killing it. You're still like growing. You put together your own women's empowerment conference. Tell them about. Tell us about that. Tell us a little bit about that whole scene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a. Other funny topic that you coached me on. But essentially, imagine this. I show up for a coaching session and, and I'm a whiny little princess. And I'm saying, Kylie, um, I really want to do I really want to be a guest speaker on International Women's Day because it's really important to me. Um, but all the people who previously asked me because of COVID, no one's doing live events and wow, 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 woe is me. And Kylie basically says are you, you're waiting for somebody to <laughs> um, give you a microphone. Like, don't you have a microphone? You know, and what would it look like if you were to, you know, take that that power back and to actually just do something yourself? And I was like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. And you know, just flipping it from no one has validated me and chosen me to. I'm going to go out and not just choose myself, but I'm going to choose seven other women that I see showing up and empowering women. And I'm going to just amplify their voices and I'm going to mirror back to them the amazing work that they're already doing. And we had over 80 women show up for our event. It was a virtual event. And we had seven guest speakers, and every single one of those guest speakers, they were a changed person from when I first reached out to them and said, Hey, would you like to be involved, to actually being part of the event. They're like, Oh my goodness. That was incredible. And so what I realized is sometimes we have these this passion or these ideas or this, this real gift that we want to give the world, but we're waiting for someone to like come with a silver platter and say, you have been chosen as the eloquent one. All right. Now is your moment. It's almost like, you know, American idol, right? You're the winner. You're now important and you're famous and talented. But the thing is, I actually knew I was talented. I actually knew that I empowered women well before that empowering women's event. I just had to remind myself that I'm already doing it. This is who I am. This is an extension of myself. And so if somebody else agrees with that and comes up and says, Emma, I love the work that you're doing empowering women. Well, that's just agreeing with what I already know about myself. But if I'm waiting for someone to tell me that I am empowering women, you know, by choosing me to be a guest speaker on a day, I'm really disempowering myself. So that was a really epic experience and a huge... It was a
0: big breakthrough for you because I think what we basically realize is like you weren't choosing you right? You weren't choosing you at the end of the day. And we don't do victim stuff in my coaching, in the way I coach at least. And it was, it was like, oh, I, why can't I just do this? Right? And you did it, which was so amazing. And again, just another big, big win and transformation for you. I love this. You know that I have loved Coaching you, just talking. I love our conversations so much. W- tell us one thing. Let's wrap up with like one thing that you want everybody to know. Like, what would, what's one thing you want to share?
1: Yeah. Oh, the one thing that I really want to share, especially for women, especially in the style and beauty industries, if that's where you're listening from, is that. Your worth in this world is not linked to your appearance, <laughs> and I know that seems strange for me to say as a stylist. But first of all, your worth is not determined by your appearance. There is going to be a whole lot of junk programming in in your brain about that. Um, you're like, oh, that's nice of you to say, Emma, but you know, look at you, and and you know how to dress and all the rest of it. The truth is that our own limitations on how we see ourselves as worthy are what is blocking alignment, success and satisfaction. And even I would go as far to say down to how attractive we are. I have never met a client to this day who is ugly or who is lacking in some way, the only clients I meet are those who are very unaligned with who they are. Their appearance does not marry up with their substance. Wow. So for me, beauty can't, like the, the actual definition of beauty is harmony. It's, you know, if you go back to, to the ancient understanding of beauty, you'll find that is defined as harmony. It can either be very balanced and symmetrical harmony Or it can be, you know, jagged contrasts. Okay. So there's two different types of harmony that we can create, but it's about harmony. And when our appearance does not harmonize with our insides, we are unattractive. Full stop, period. And so the work that I do with women is really showing them how to change the way that they're uh, showing up in the world to be aligned and in harmony with their Worthiness and their substance.
0: Love it. I love it. So good. You guys, that's so good. All right, let's in there. Tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Mm, I like to hang out on the gram. I'm, I'm a big fan of Instagram. So I'm just at Statement Styling. Uh, so Instagram.com forward slash Statement Styling. And also you can check me out on the website. I've got a lot of good content there. And that is Statementstyling.com.au because I'm an Aussie.
0: That's right. I'll, li- I'll link all of this in the show notes for you guys so you can head over and follow Emma. She's such a badass. Emma, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful for you. And yeah, just thanks.
1: Hmm. You're welcome. I'm I'm so thankful for everything that you have unleashed in my life, Kylie. You're my you're my coaching mama. Woo woo!
0: Love it. All right. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Beauty and Style Business Podcast. I am honored that you made it a part of your day. If you are loving the fire and light on this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a review. When you leave a review, it helps the podcast get out to other Beauty and Style bosses just like you. Thank you so much. See you guys next week. Remember, mindset is the new black. See ya.